3: And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: The following is a presentation of the Four
2: Center podcast feed. <laughs> <laughs>
4: To happy Beeps. I am your host, Jennifer Landa, and for today's show, we need to go back to eight years ago. It was in December 2010 when I attended a special screening of The Clone Wars at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood. The screening was a sneak peek of the first three episodes of the Savage Press storyline. Even though I had been a casual viewer of the series, I was excited to see it up on the big screen. Once everyone in the audience was settled into their movie seats, if I remember correctly, Dave Filoni did a fun trivia contest with some of the kids in the audience, which was the first time I realized that seven- and eight-year-olds always know the most about Star Wars. And right before the lights went down, he gave a shout-out to the writer of the episodes, Katie Lucas. Katie was in the audience that night, and I remember thinking... How cool she looked, both in her demeanor and appearance. She was wearing a black leather jacket, a red bow in her hair, and her gold dangle earrings matched the gold stud in her nose. It was exciting to see her, not because she was George Lucas' daughter, but because she was a young woman who had written new stories for Star Wars. Remember, 2010 was before the Disney sale, so there were no new Star Wars movies on the horizon. I think that's why the Clone Wars series was such a big event for us fans, because it meant new Star Wars content that George Lucas had a hand in creating. When I watched those three Clone Wars episodes back in 2010, my mind exploded. Seeing the witches of Dathomir, Mother Talzin, and Sabajo Press felt like a totally new Star Wars experience for me. The episodes were darker in tone and a little scary. I loved seeing the Coven of the Night Sisters and the Dark Force magic they used. And when the lights came up in the theater, I remember looking back at Katie Lucas and thinking to myself, Katie, you're rad. In that moment, I wanted to know everything about Katie Lucas. So for today's episode, I am sharing all of my research and internet sleuthing about Katie Rose Lucas. What were her inspirations for those Clone Wars episodes? What was her experience like being a first-time writer on the series? And what is Katie up to now? We'll find out on this episode of Happy Bee.
0: Berry Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a
1: good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
4: One of the neatest things about George Lucas is how much he loves being a dad. When asked in an interview what he wanted the first line of his obituary to be, he said, I was a great dad. Or I tried. In 1981, when he was married to film editor Marsha Lucas, they adopted a child, Amanda. When George and Marcia divorced in 1983, they received joint custody of their daughter, which meant Amanda would split her time equally between her parents. Five years after his divorce, George decided that he wanted to be a father again. And in 1988, he adopted a daughter, Catherine Rose Lucas, and a son in 1993, Jet Lucas. Becoming a father is the reason George decided it was time to stop making Star Wars films, Here he is in an interview in 2015.
5: I mean, I gave up directing in order to become a dad, you know, for 15 years, directing. I just ran a company and was an innovator, but it was uh, not doing what I really liked to do, which was actually make movies. And I never, it was one of those things where you don't expect it to happen. But once I was a dad, um, it was like a bolt of lightning struck me. And uh, I ended up Getting divorced around that time, I made these. It was right after Return of the Jedi. I said I made all these movies, uh, and uh, I'm not going to escape Star Wars. And uh, my central concern was my daughter, so I just said I'm going to raise my daughter, and then uh, we adopted another daughter, and then adopted another son. And it wasn't until like 15 years later that I actually said, okay, I'm going to go back now and make direct movies again.
4: And so, around 1996, George began gearing up to work on his next Star Wars movies, known as the prequels. Katie Lucas was eight years old when her dad began pre-production on episode one. She'd make her big screen debut in The Phantom Menace as Amy, a young tattooing girl who was friends with Anakin Skywalker. At that time, Katie wore braces, and so her appearance in the film marked the first time we learned that dental braces do exist in the Star Wars universe. She'd later make appearances as a Twi'lek in Attack of the Clones and the Senator of Pantora in Revenge of the Sith. In addition to her cameos in the prequels, she was also a PA on those movie sets. Being a production assistant can mean anything from walking an actor to set to grabbing coffee for the crew. It's definitely not a glamorous job. But it did give Katie a first-hand look at how movies are made from the greatest teacher of all, her dad. But being a part of the family business was never something George Lucas drilled into his kids. Katie told Seventeen Magazine in 2010 that when she was growing up, her dad always encouraged his kids to do whatever inspired them. After discovering her love for photography as a teen, she began going to her dad with ideas and questions about her work. And like any good father, who happens to be one of the most legendary filmmakers of all time, he respected Katie's art, while still giving her some suggestions for improvement. Katie and George have always seemed really close as father and daughter. I must say, it's really a beautiful thing to see, and it's clear that George really really does respect his daughter as a woman and also as an artist. The Lucases have always been a very tight-knit family, partially because George raised Katie and Jet as a single dad. There's a fantastic New York Times profile in George from 1999 that is a window into what their daily family routine was like. Here's how it goes. On that day in February of 1999, George started his day at 7.30 a.m., he walked into the kitchen and hugged Katie and Jet, who were already eating breakfast with the housekeeper. Katie and Jet really wanted to watch a television movie about Sonny and Cher later that night, but in typical dad fashion, George told them they could only watch the movie if they finished their homework early enough. I just need to pause here. I love that Katie, who was 11 years old at the time, and Jet, who was six, were begging their dad to watch this TV movie about Sonny and Cher.
3: They were America's sweethearts. You nervous? She had the voice. Nah.
5: He had the vision. Me either.
2: And the beat goes
5: on. But behind all the money and fame, their lives were falling apart. Why are you destroying Sonny and Cher?
2: Because I don't want to be Sonny and
3: Cher anymore. An ABC original and the beat goes on. Monday, February
4: 22nd. To me, this tidbit says so much about Katie Lucas. It shows that even at a young age, she had an appreciation for pop culture history. Sonny and Cher were an iconic duo in the 1960s and 70s, and by the 1980s and 90s, Cher had become a pop star in her own right with hit songs like If I Could Turn Back Time and Believe. I know it may seem trivial, But I think that this random fun fact actually reveals something about Katie Lucas and why she is so good at writing strong and complex characters. Cher represented, and still does, female empowerment. Cher has said that one of the reasons she divorced Sonny was because he was too controlling and she wanted to escape his tight grip on her life and career. Throughout her career, Cher has been known as a fashion risk taker wearing over-the-top and revealing outfits to sacred award shows like the Oscars. Cher is candid, funny, and she does not care what people think of her, which is why I love her. She also has said that she feels like a bumper car. No matter how many walls she hits in her career, she just keeps on going. Now, I don't know how big of a Cher fan Katie Lucas was as an 11-year-old, But her interest in that TV movie shows that Katie wanted to see a story about a young woman who was betrayed by her husband and has to learn how to assert her own identity and independence from that controlling husband. It's the type of story that I can now see Katie Lucas writing. And it's the type of character that resonated with Katie over and over again. By the time Katie was 11, the biggest influence on her life probably wasn't Cher. And it definitely wasn't Star Wars. It was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've had a lot
1: of people talking at me the last few days. Everyone just lining up to tell me how unimportant I am.
5: And I finally figured out why.
2: Power. I have it. They don't. This bothers them.
4: Even though Katie grew up surrounded by all things Star Wars, it wasn't her thing as a kid. She told CNN in 2011 that she didn't like Star Wars when she was younger because it was always in her face, and as a result, she rebelled against it. Instead, she'd channel all her nerdy energy into becoming a huge fan of Joss Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Basically, how we are with Star Wars, that's how Katie was with Buffy. Growing up, she was obsessed with the show. She even interviewed Joss Whedon in 2011 and dived deep into those Buffy storylines. Katie has said that when she was 11, she'd religiously carried a stake around in her backpack just in case a vampire decided to brutally murder her at school. By age 12, she began having dreams about stalking vampires in dark alleys, with actor David Boreanaz, Katie said that her father started to grow concerned with her fascination with vampire slayers and serial killers. But for Katie, her obsession with Buffy wasn't just about casting spells and killing vampires. It was that at the center of the story was a teenager who didn't have a clue. Buffy was vulnerable, impulsive, and constantly putting her foot in her mouth. Katie says that she saw herself in Buffy's constant battle to be understood in a world that is often unwilling to be accepting. The character of Buffy Summers and her creator, Joss Whedon, made a huge impact on Katie's life and work. It would serve as a foundation when it came time for her to write a resilient female character who could kick some butt, Asajj Ventress.
2: Uh, Pathetic.
4: When Katie began college, she had decided she wanted to become a screenwriter. It was around this time that George Lucas began putting together a new Star Wars animated series known as The Clone Wars. George knew Katie wanted to be a writer, and so he had an idea. Here's Katie reliving that moment.
2: I started working on this show when I was 17, and I just left for college. And uh, my dad just said, you know, you like to write, here's the story, why don't you try to do this? And that ended up being Jedi Crash. You'll never be able to talk with our ship in the middle of this battle. We have no choice, Admiral. General Skywalker's condition may be critical. We must get him on
3: board
4: the Resolute.
2: Are all Jedi so reckless?
4: Just the good ones. Jedi Crash was the 13th episode in season one of The Clone Wars. In the episode, Jedi General Ayla Sakura must teach Ahsoka Tano the Jedi philosophy of having no personal attachments while they brave a hostile planet in search of medical help for a gravely injured Anakin Skywalker. Ayla takes on a mentor role to Ahsoka in the episode and almost becomes something of a big sister to her. So here you have this great dynamic between two female characters, which I think is why George thought his daughter might be the perfect writer for the job. Since Jedi Crash was the first TV episode she had ever written, she did get some writing assistance from The Clone Wars staff writer Henry Gilroy and writer Scott Murphy. But keep in mind, she was 17 when she wrote her very first episode for The Clone Wars, and she was just getting started. After the positive response to her Jedi Crash episode, Katie decided to double down and pursue a career in screenwriting. Naturally, that led to joining the familiar community of the Clone Wars writing staff. The series had many writers over the years, but the core staff consisted of seven writers, including George Lucas. These writers would go on to write the majority of the episodes throughout the entire series. In season three, Katie would become a part of that core staff and the only female writer in that crew. While she may have been a new television writer, she found that the Clone Wars was the perfect training ground
2: to hone her skills. Season three was very much about learning and observing and seeing what it's like to work with people who have ideas and fight for them. We all just pitch ideas and storylines, and it's fun. Katie told
4: CNN that to get their creativity flowing, the Clone Wars writers would have a big writing party where they would all hang out in a room for eight days, talking about what they and the fans would like to see happen in upcoming episodes. It truly was a collaborative writing experience. Katie would go on to co write Sphere of Influence and The Academy in the first part of season three. And then she took on her first independent assignment. The Night Sisters. Dave Filoni knew he wanted to tell a bit of Asajj Ventress's story in flashbacks, and Katie was excited to sink her teeth into the rich backstory of that delicious character. When it came time to designing teenage Ventress, Wayne Lowe and Katie Lucas collaborated on her younger look. Katie had very specific ideas of what she thought a younger Asajj Ventress would look like.
2: I like a lot of punk pop bands like Joan Jett. Brody Doll of the Distillers had this really big mohawk I had in my head, like just this fleet of Joan Jetts and Brody Dolls running about. Tank Girl was a big inspiration for me growing up. Prior
4: to the Clone Wars series, the Night Sisters already existed in the Star Wars universe thanks to the legends book, The Courtship of Princess Leia in 1994. But Katie and the rest of the Clone Wars team Truly made the Coven of the Night Sisters all their own. In thinking about the planet Dothemir, Katie drew inspiration from the 1915 novel Herland, written by feminist Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Some of the themes in Herland explore motherhood, the defining of gender roles, and the importance of community in an all-female society.
2: Dathomir is a really female-oriented planet. I mean they rule this whole planet. I was actually really inspired by the book Her Land by Charlotte Perkins Gilman, which I read in high school, and it's about this kind of utopia of women. The men who are the same species as Darth Maul are kind of like their slaves.
1: I have come for the selection.
2: Yes, yes, of course. Line up. Heads of each tribe, line up for the sister. When we
4: talk about diversity in writing rooms and behind the camera... Katie's presence on the Clone Wars writing staff shows how it can have a dramatic impact on a show. Without Katie, we might have never gotten such a fantastic storyline involving the witchy bond between the Night Sisters and the deep brother relationship bond between Savage Opress and Darth Maul. Katie offered a unique perspective that only she could have. Obviously, Every writer brings their own unique background to their work, but as a young woman, Katie drew upon specific feminist inspirations. When writing Asajj Ventress's storyline, Katie said in an interview with Big Shiny Robot that she really fell in love with the character. In reference to Ventress's Season 3 arc, Katie said, quote, She's a cold-hearted harpy, but she has good reason to be. And now she's displaying a much more independent side of herself. Ventress is nobody's pawn anymore. She finally owns herself. I grew up on Buffy and Tank Girl, so writing for strong females is second nature to me. End quote. Katie references Tank Girl a lot in interviews, and like Buffy Summers, it's clear to see how the inspiration left a mark on her work. If you're not familiar with Tank Girl, it was a British comic book series in 1988 that was later turned into a movie starring Laurie Petty. The main character of Tank Girl is a tank pilot who worked as a bounty hunter and then becomes an outlaw. Her boyfriend is a mutated kangaroo, and Tank Girl is prone to random acts of sex, violence, drunkenness, vomiting, you name it. She is punk rock to the core with a punk rock hairstyle to match. Again, you can see this inspiration in Ventress, who is a punk warrior that also looks like the front woman of a Riot girl band. Speaking of music, Katie said that when writing the Dathomir storyline, she listened to a lot of early Hole and the Distillers albums to inspire her. Quote, I really wanted to tap into that visceral female rage, and Courtney Love's snarl certainly tears that right out of you. End quote. If you watch the lightsaber duel between Asajj Ventress and Savage Opress and Count Dooku in Witches of the Mist, you can feel Ventress's rage. And it's easy to see how this... Get up! We
2: must defeat him!
1: Get up!
4: Was inspired by this. Is
2: she on the
4: inside? Is she from the Prior to the Night Sisters arc, I thought Asajj Ventress was a cool character, but after this storyline, I connected with her. I understood her rage, and I wanted her to get revenge. I loved seeing the comfort she found in her twisted mother Talzin, and the strength she gained from her coven of Night Sisters. Ventress is a complex character, and I think the reason she stands out is because Katie Lucas wrote much of her storyline. Katie brought her feminist roots, riot girl rage, and compassion to a character that started off in the Clone Wars film as kind of a typical villain. By the time she started working on season four of The Clone Wars, Katie felt a true kinship with the character she helped shape. Here she is talking about going back into the writer's room for the return of Darth Maul. You
2: know, when we went into the writer's room again to do these episodes, I was so in love with Ventress and the Night Sisters episodes. Yeah. I've really come to... So much of me has been put into her, that kind of disillusioned youth. <laughs> ah. And, you know, I just... You wanted to carry on her story, and I can't wait to see what happens next in yeah. her Bounty Hunter gigs. The final four
4: episodes of season four that Katie wrote aired in February and March of 2012. Eight months later, George Lucas sold Lucasfilm to Disney. Katie did not write any of the episodes in season five, which aired from September 2012 to March 2015. A little over a week after the season finale aired, Lucasfilm announced that The Clone Wars would be winding down, effectively cancelling the series as Lucasfilm ended his contract with Cartoon Network. To say that this decision was disappointing to both the fans and the creators is an understatement. What was particularly frustrating is that at the time of the cancellation, the Clone Wars team had several episodes already in development. Prior to cancellation, Katie had been assigned the Dark Disciple episodes about the team-up of Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Vos. Katie relished her assignment and said that, quote, she had a hell of a time writing them, end quote. At the time, she happened to be going through a bad breakup, so writing for Ventress and Vos proved to be cathartic for her. Unfortunately for all of us, The Clone Wars was cancelled before the episodes could ever air. Fortunately, the Dark Disciple episodes found new life in a novel of the same name, written by Christy Golden. Del Rey editor Shelley Shapiro said they were particularly interested in those unproduced episodes because Asajj Ventress is extraordinarily interesting as a character. She's one of the few characters who aren't just light or dark, but really straddle both. Katie wrote the foreword for the Christy Golden novel, and the book debuted on the New York Times bestseller list at number 17. When the news broke that The Clone Wars was returning for a final season, I got so excited at the possibility that Katie might be returning to the writing room. There's always a chance, right? But I think that Katie has closed that chapter of her life. She told Big Shiny Robot that, she wouldn't be writing any other Star Wars material after she finished on The Clone Wars. Quote, Star Wars is my father's life work, not mine. I have my own stories to tell. End quote.
2: Who was on the telephone?
5: I think it's time for bed. In
4: 2013, the same year that the Clone Wars ended, Katie's short film, What's Left, What's Lost, had its world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. The 22-minute film is comprised of two vignettes set in the late 1950s at California's iconic Madonna Inn. One of the vignettes is about a despondent father who struggles with the decision to end his own life and the life of his young son. The other is about a woman who looks like Jackie O, Uh, who is in deep despair when she arrives at her hotel room. The film is visually stunning and very stylistic, and the stories are emotional and intense. It's exactly what I would expect from Katie Lucas. Since The Clone Wars, Katie has now transitioned into directing. She also goes by the name Katie Rose instead of Katie Lucas. She was asked on the red carpet of the Tribeca Film Festival whether her father had anything to do with her becoming a director.
2: Actually, he had nothing to do with me becoming a director. I didn't want to be a director. I wanted to be a writer. But I mean, inspired me in film, I mean, I learned a lot from him as a filmmaker. He's great. He's been very supportive. In addition to her short film, Katie has
4: directed music videos, and in 2016, Her video art was displayed at Art New York at Pier 94, a yearly special event that features contemporary, modern, and pop artwork. If you want to see some of her directing work, you can find her on Vimeo under Katie Rose. Her work is provocative, bold, dramatic, and is filled with gorgeous visuals. Yeah, her father is George Lucas, but since the Clone Wars and beyond, Katie Rose Lucas has shown that she is a talented creator in her own right. She is a true artist, and so it's fitting that she's chosen to move on from Star Wars. Becoming Katie Rose the director has given her the freedom to express her voice and perspective independent from her father's work. She once said that the most important thing her father taught her as a writer and as a person is to always be true to her own vision and to never compromise. It seems like Katie is doing just that. Whether it's directing, writing, or whatever she puts her mind to, I'm sure Katie Rose will always be an amazing force to be reckoned with. While I'd love to see her write and direct a Star Wars film or TV show, I look forward to the non-Star Wars stories she wants to tell. Who knows what Katie will tackle next? I'm sure whatever path she chooses, she will be following her bliss. I am so happy we shine the spotlight on Katie Rose Lucas. Katie's work on The Clone Wars made such a huge impact on me and I know on so many other Star Wars fans, and I have been a fan of hers ever since. Katie used to be on Twitter, but in 2011, she actually deleted her account after being tired of the negativity directed at her father and the prequels. Like I said, you can still see her work on Vimeo and on Tumblr, so be sure to check it out. I am still on Twitter. (laughs) You can find me at Jennifer Landa, hashtag happy beeps. You can also find me on my Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube channel as Jennifer Landa. Special thanks to Tony Thaxton for our Happy Beeps theme songs. If you like Star Wars songs, check out his page at patreon.com slash Cloud City Soundtrack. He can even write a Star Wars song for you. And as always, if you want to find out how to support what we do here at Four Center, you can visit our site at patreon.com slash Center. Thank you all so much for listening and until next time, beep bop boop.